It is my judgment. Dinesh D'Souza was sentenced on Tuesday to spend eight months in a confinement center. It all began when the Obama administration tried to shut me up. You know, gang's all about stealing, man. What did I learn? All crime is about stealing. The big criminals are still at large. Didn't uh, see any reason to keep them. The system doesn't go after them. Because they run the system. It's time to go behind the curtain and discover the soul of the Democratic Party. Welcome to Michael and Us. I'm Will Sloan, here as always with... Luke Savage, uh, quite an endurance test tonight, quite a marathon. This was the first ever Michael and Us double feature. The other movie we watched will be revealed later, but let's just say that we watched the worst of liberalism and the worst of conservatism tonight. (laughs) So first up on the podcast, Dinesh D'Souza's Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party. And uh, if you're subscribed to our Patreon account, you'll get to hear our next episode, uh, soon to be revealed... By the way, we did hit 200 patrons this week, so I just want to say thanks so much to everyone uh, who's subscribed so far. Boy, I'm really feeling dizzy tonight. I mean, (laughs) what a roller coaster ride of emotions we went through. Well, the authentic way, the only real way to do a proper Michael and Us episode is to just kind of push yourself to your absolute limit. Like, you know that thing that you have kind of on Twitter where you see, you know, when you're at work and you're just like, you look at Twitter or whatever, and there's just these things during the day that kind of tick you off or whatever that are in your peripheral vision, like whatever the little outrages or dumb tweets are from the day. Mm-hmm. Re- recording a Michael and Us episode is like voluntarily subjecting yourself to... It's like looking directly into the sun oh, for, yeah. for usually two hours, but tonight it was more like three and a half. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. So the reason we're doing Hillary's America is because we wanted to do the new Dinesh D'Souza movie, Death of a Nation, which is currently playing to blockbuster business in the United States. But, but the powers that be did not want us to see it. You know, so... some people could it be a just and true dope so, uh, some people you know. who may or may not be funded by george soros have a problem with free speech and they didn't want us to see that movie could it be kathleen Wynne? <laughs> could it be i don't know point is that <laughs> death of a nation is not playing at any multiplex in canada we will do it uh, to those i promised on twitter that we would do it this week uh, i'm sorry it'll come soon i actually think it's already become the most requested movie in michael and us history and <laughs> that i've got like five people who said they wanted it Speaking of requested movies, um, we've gotten a bunch of requests already via the Patreon for films or TV or other, uh, you know, cultural paraphernalia Michael and Us Nation wants to uh, be made into episodes. And we thought we'd make it official by having a fan episode. So if you're on the Patreon already, shoot off in the community section, the post section, let us know what you'd like us to do. And we're going to have a draw uh, to choose a fan episode to be done at some point in the near future. Something we may do a little bit more, we may experiment in the future with. But for now, uh, we're just going to choose a random one. But you have to sign up for the Patreon to uh, get a vote. So if you haven't done so already, uh, please officially join Michael and Us Nation. And there are a number of suggestions there already. So I think the contest is well underway. Mm -hmm. And should we put a due date for this, end of the month? Yeah, end of the month. All right. Uh, This is August, by the way, Mm -hmm. in case you're listening to this in the distant future. In the future, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, this thing that you've described, this this plan, you know, it sounds a lot like community organizing. (laughs) And if there's one thing I learned from watching Dinesh D'Souza's Hillary's America is that it's not a long leap from there to eugenics. (laughs) 
You know, I was going to take a jab at you for the awkwardness of that segue, and yet, like, I would say it was much more seamless than some of the segues in this Dinesh D'Souza movie. This movie has been a long time coming for us. It's real low-hanging fruit. We had actually hoped originally to do it right after the 2016 election because we were... I think under the impression that Hillary Clinton was going to win and we yeah, thought we, this would be fun. We hope to do it in Hillary's America, you know, when uh, Alinskyism had triumphed and we were uh, living in the golden age of liberal darkness that she was going to usher in. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. You know, two years later, I think we're, we're raring to go. And boy, <laughs> was this a movie. <laughs> and uh, and as, as you'll see next week, uh, it paired so beautifully with the other <laughs> film we watched tonight. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> The Democrats support slaves. This Civil Rights Act will allow colored men to sit at the same table beside the white guests. Tammany Hall Democrats who are now furnishing arms to the Ku Klux Klan. To the Democratic Party. Why has all this been swept under the rug? To cover the tracks of the Democratic Party. And we're not even talking about ancient history. The racism continued well into the 20th century. What are these Democrats hiding? This is about buying and selling influence by foreign oligarchs and foreign governments. When you follow the money, there are very, very few coincidences. What if the goal of the Democratic Party is to steal the most valuable thing the world has ever produced? What if their plan is to steal America? What happens when you go against the most powerful man in the free world? The most powerful man in the world fights back. That's what conservative filmmaker and commentator Dinesh D'Souza found out when he violated a minor campaign finance law and found himself thrown in the slammer. Was it because of his 2012 documentary, 2016 Obama's America, that was such a thorn in the side of the commander-in-chief? <laughs> this movie opens with reenactments of D'Souza <laughs> actually being thrown into prison. And this is the, the real reason the, I wanted the, to watch The answer it. to your question is a resounding yes, according to the extremely <laughs> kitschy like reenactments, like sub-History Channel bullshit that D'Souza had made for this movie. I think Dinesh D'Souza is my favorite of all the kind of like right-wing talking head guys. Why is he, that? He's funnier to me than Alex Jones because there's something, in addition to his total lack of charisma and the fact that despite having no charisma, he makes himself the star of all his movies. I like that his trajectory has been from being this semi-respected kind of William F. Buckley public intellectual type to just, you know, full on just the, frothing the rage. Dumbest, the dumbest shit. Uh, speaking of Alex Jones, rest in power. Um, oh, yeah. Another, another victim of, uh, of liberal censoriousness, uh, liberal <laughs> totems, you know, Facebook, Google, just, feels good to have outlasted another one of our rivals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back at uh, 2016 Obama's America, which we talked about early in the run of this During podcast. Michael and us, you know, well, not Michael and us season one. Michael and us 1.0, for sure. Yeah. That movie was relatively sober compared to this one. You remember the whole gimmick of it was that it was, it had a lot of Dinesh D'Souza origin story stuff in it. Was it was sort of autobiographical. Yeah, and he kind of tried to come at it pretending that he had good faith 
Right. And he was like, I was very fascinated by this Obama person. We both were, we both came from Ivy League schools. <laughs> we both came from, uh, you know, marginalized backgrounds. Right. You know, what, did, what could we have in common? You know, before, of course, he ended up into his conspiracy theory territory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the one that he made between that and Hillary's America, but this one is like at 11 from the opening scene. Well, I'm a D'Souza completist, so I've seen all of them. Oh, I'm sure you have. I haven't. (laughs) Uh, What happens in the opening scenes of this movie, Luke? Well, the beginning scene is kind of curious because there's like a cold open after the, you know, D'Souza films and all the kind of taglines at the beginning. And there's just this guy playing really saccharine kind of chords on a piano. And then it's like, you know well, good evening, folks, blah, blah, blah. And there's a bunch of pablum about America or something. And then it just cuts to these like really dramatic credits where, where there's all this like foreshadowing, I guess. The opening credits sort of outline D- D'Souza's arguments for the rest of the movie. One thing he's learned from the Michael Moore school of documentary filmmaking is to pair cheery, upbeat music with yeah. really downbeat imagery in this kind of leaden, ironic way. And so the opening credits, which set the movie off on a pretty bad note you know it's slavery and abortion and all these issues but rendered with like almost like terry gilliam-ish monty (laughs) python animation but without any self-awareness or irony we've talked of course you know michael moore actually kind of created this whole aesthetic that even the sort of knockoff straight to bargain bin conservative anti-moore michael documentaries sort of aped you know so there's there's kind of this aesthetic that you've mentioned but then Furthermore, there's this thing D'Souza does where, you know, it's true that he's not quite as, uh, you know, fakely earnest in this movie as, as he was in Obama's America. But, you know, there's still this whole conceit that he's on a journey of discovery as if <laughs> as if like the film has this kind of teleology. And at the end of it, he's like, OK, I, you know, I've put it all together. I have a thesis. Yeah. It's like he's sitting down with these, you know, he sits down with fucking Jonah Goldberg and like these people. And it's as if he's hearing the information for the first time. It's kind of like in Capitalism, a love story where Michael Moore is sitting there and like he's like, wait, so uh, what is a hedge fund or whatever? Yeah, except Michael Moore is more self-aware. Michael Moore knows He knows it's a conceit. There's that whole bit in Sicko, you remember when he's walking around like, where can I pay in this hospital? (laughs) Like it's a joke, (laughs) right? Hillary's America starts with D'Souza in trial and we see you know, simulated trial footage where the right. judge... The judge is like, and I sentence you to a thousand years in the slammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And D'Souza's lawyer is like, I believe my client is being unfairly <laughs> prosecuted for his political beliefs, which, of course, D'Souza's real lawyer didn't say. Although D'Souza did have a prominent advocate in the media in the form of Mr. Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, perhaps you've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, Recent, recently expelled from Martha's Vineyard by another wave of liberal censoriousness. It's everywhere. Yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> D'Souza, having been found guilty in a kangaroo court overseen by Comrade Obama, <laughs> finds himself... A district court. <laughs> finds himself in prison. Uh, now, of course, in real life, this is well known. Dinesh D'Souza spent, I think, five or eight months in a halfway house. Where he was allowed to just, like, leave. He was allowed to leave in working hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't go... In, in this film, He I think he explicitly says he went to a federal prison. And there's this whole structuring device where, like, you see him, like, just terrified walking into the prison as all these hardened criminals, like, look on. And him, like, getting onto his bunk just looking terrified. And he was not in a facility like that. There's a scene where he's talking to criminals and he's like, what are you in for? And they're like, murder, manslaughter. <laughs> you know? and, and then he says, 
He says, oh, well, I gave too much money to a friend. And they <laughs> laugh at him. But he strikes up a friendship while he's in prison. Uh, you know, the TVs are constantly blasting Obama speeches. And he has to do therapy, which, of course, is re-education. <laughs> Yeah, this is like the last section of 1984, where Winston is being subjected to torture and brain conditioning by the party. And while he's in prison, he strikes up a friendship with Rock, a hardened and, uh, I might add, racialized (laughs) prisoner. Because Rock is like a hardened criminal, but then when he talks to Rock, Rock's like scam was just like... Well, it's like, it's this funny, it's like, it's like this insurance scam, but then with the ad, it doesn't even make sense, because then the ad, it's like, oh, we would go in and we'd, we'd like, tell poor people, like, we'll give you life insurance, and we'll give you $5,000, and then uh, we'd come back in the night and we'd kill them, and it's like, yeah, it's wh- like, why wouldn't you just kill them in the first place and take their, like, what's, well, what's the I, scam? I don't think they kill them, but what they do is they no, steal they do them. Kill them. Well, they do kill them? Well, you must admit, you must oh, have already been me. too bored by that point. It's a little yeah. later in the film, but Rock Rock and him were playing a, a friendly game of chess. Yeah. And, you know, after, you know, Rock does, like, I don't know, an ingenious move with his rook or something, he explains that, you know, the next stage of this was, uh, you know, and it, it cuts to people's doors getting kicked in and stuff. Yeah, D'Souza totally gives away the game here because, like, like we see in the flashback scenes, Rock and his fellow, you know, fellow thugs, and well, he keeps, they're, they're putting on ties and stuff. And D'Souza keeps talking about how, you know, in it, you know, I only knew the one America. I in prison, I learned that there was this other America, this America of gangs. Then you jokingly said, you know, oh, like it's just like uh, the Democratic Party. And then, of course, that's exactly what the, the pivot was. I was half joking <laughs> because I was positive it was going to go that way, but but. He, he totally gives the game away because I believe that D'Souza in this, you know, shitty rich person's prison did talk to somebody who had a life insurance scam. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't, you know, some... Yeah, Im- imagine... It wasn't rock. Ima- <laughs> imagine who goes to a eight-month, you know, thing where you can leave during the day. Like, 100% people just involved in the most, you know, banal, like, petty scams. Mm-hmm. But he's talking to Rock, and he asks, "Well, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, who do you think are the real gangs? Uh, who who are the most gang-like people <laughs> and then in the it world?" Turns, turns out that Rock is a is a raging Democratic partisan. You know, he's a real Unite Blue type of well, inmate. Well, Rock points to the TV, and he's like, "Well, the politicians are the gangs. You know, they know all about it." <laughs> Oh, you mean uh, like like the Democratic Party? No way, man. The Democrats, they are the party of social justice. They're the party of the people. Yeah. They're the party of, of race relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then D'Souza goes, hmm, that, uh, interesting. Maybe I should investigate this point further. This is about the point where the actual temporality intrudes on the film because then we get a scene where you know all the prisoners are just uh, they're watching TV and it's like, uh, we now go live to, uh, you know, a long anticipated announcement from Secretary Clinton. Then it's Hillary Clinton announcing her candidacy and all the inmates are just like, yeah. yeah, the inmates love Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You're right. In the white collar prison they went to, they probably did cheer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Dinesh is in prison and he's reading, we see him like on the treadmill reading history. He's like, I thought I would read up on the history of the Democratic Party. What is this Democratic (laughs) Party? And then once he gets released, he decides to pay a visit to Democrat Party headquarters. (laughs) Which which it turns out is just this kind of shrine to the Democrats. Like there's a receptionist and she's like, quite literally says to him, 
oh, the Democratic Party has a, a wonderful, noble history of standing up for the oppressed. You can learn all about it here. Yeah, he, wa- he walks <laughs> in and she says, uh, and who are you? And he goes, I'm Indian. And she goes, oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, he goes in and there is uh, an exhibit, you know, the history of the Democratic Party in the <laughs> lobby, which is not much of an exhibit. They have a bunch of, you know, uh, video installations <laughs> yeah. where they're showing just footage of how uh, it's the Social Justice Party. Oh, and just, yeah. Just clips of Hillary Clinton talking about why racism is bad. It's extremely my shit. And like Dinesh is obviously doing all this in front of a green screen, which makes it all the funnier. <laughs> and then for some reason, the Democratic Party headquarters has a big picture of Abraham Lincoln hung up in the lobby, <laughs> which I don't think even the Democrats are claiming no. as their own. No. D'Souza, as an actor, you know, really conveys a lot with just his face in these scenes. And he spots this section that says keep out and that's that's where they keep the racism files he goes behind it he goes to the basement he goes to this this secret room that says do not enter and yes in this one room all of the democrats racist paraphernalia is there <laughs> uh and we get a lot of flashbacks you know pretty familiar stuff uh, what, what what's the thrust of his argument it's just that the the democrats were the party of slavery and he actually makes the claim that not a single Republican ever owned slaves. And Well, he does that very trickily. He says, no Republicans own slaves. Because think about it. When the Civil War started, mm. it was Democrats versus Republicans. Ah. Therefore, the Republicans had no slaves. Right. So at the time of the Civil War, mm. Republicans had no slaves. He then has some really convoluted argument about the Civil Rights Movement. And you know, he says, like, the Civil Rights Movement was the result of Democrats finally capitulating to long-standing Republican pressure and stopping the filibustering of, like, voting rights and stuff like that. And, and he right. kind of discusses the Civil Rights Act that Johnson sign he's like you know it did some minor things like enshrine voting rights and like he links it back to reconstruction and he says that the democrats were the ones who were pushing for jim crow and the republicans were opposing it and basically the republicans kept opposing it for a hundred years mm-hmm. until finally the democrats relented mm. and the reason that lbj brought in the civil rights act was guarantee he'll have the black vote for the next 200 years mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it sort of feels dumb to kind of have to do this, but uh, I feel like we should have a brief little historical interjection here. Just Due to, diligence, yeah. Yeah, just to, so, I mean, this this conceit of D'Souza's, which is pretty much, as far as I can tell, the basis of his, it, like, he's the he's the live, living embodiment of sort of like the libs or the real racists kind of mm-hmm. thesis that, you know, every MAGA chat on Twitter or whatever, that's like their only talking point. Mm. Basically, when we talk about party politics in the 19th century, political parties in the States, like they're not membership organizations. It's really just apples and oranges to compare one incarnation of the party system to another that existed a hundred years later. You know, as, of course, it's, it's not to say the Democratic Party has some perfect record on like racial they justice don't. issues no. or whatever. But D'Souza, you know, very conveniently avoids, I think, the the pretty objective historical fact that the modern Republican Party that began with Goldwater, who he kind of indirectly praises in this movie... Um, or kind of cites positively, continued through Nixon, through Reagan, and has now kind of reached its, you know, in some ways its apex under Donald Trump, was literally a backlash to the civil rights movement. That's what it was. Um, Well, he does address the last 50 years, but he does it from another angle. He says that 
with the great migration of black people north, what this led to were uh, <laughs> ghettos and, and ghettos are the new plantations. Right. So this is, this is where we get to, this is the real the, the genius of the film, yeah. which is that D'Souza has figured out a device. To, I mean, he's so fucking lazy. You know, he's figured out this device where he can kind of just awkwardly shoehorn every Republican thing into this, you know, sweeping narrative of history. So it turns out that public housing initiatives in New York in the 60s, that's the new Jim Crow. Yeah, that's the real racism. Right. Like America's extremely modest, limited kind of forms of social democracy it was actually influenced by Mussolini and, you know, it's right. just, it's all that, it's all that kind of shit. What did uh, Jonah Goldberg say in this movie? The idea that, well, fascism didn't always used to mean the Holocaust. What it used to mean was a progressive reform <laughs> right. and, uh, you know, building society. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we live in a society. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, D'Souza accidentally hits on an accurate point, but from the wrong angle. So, you know, at one point he talks about how black people, thanks to Jim Crow laws, weren't allowed to own a gun. White people were. Mm. So the Ku Klux Klan had guns Mm. and black people couldn't defend themselves (laughs) from them. So actually... The Second Amendment is mm. uh, helping black people and is not racist. So he pivots to like an NRA talking point. Well, I mean, he's right about the fact that the Ku Klux Klan and the NRA were, you know, densely intertwined <laughs> and still are. But he's at, coming at it from the wrong angle. And I mean, he's he like he's not wrong that the Democratic Party take black voters for granted. Absolutely. Well, there's another thing like that where he's talking about Obamacare, which like Stage one of the argument is Obama goes and tells the insurance companies, we're going to force people to buy your plans, which is exactly what Obamacare was, right? Mm-hmm. But then he, he pivots that it's, this is a plot for the federal government to take over health care once and for all. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> which, right. Which, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and it worked perfectly. You know, four years ago, um, I made the film 2016, Obama's America, which which kind of upset the thin-skinned narcissist in the White House. And so for a relatively minor campaign finance infraction, I was locked up overnight for eight months in a federal confinement center. Now, I just, wanna, I just mentioned that because I want to tell you that if that film got me eight months in the slammer, this new movie is going to earn me life in prison. The third act of the film, he infiltrates Hillary's headquarters. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the film. Uh, by the way, these staged reenactment, like this is a documentary sort of in the same sense that like Nanook of the North is a documentary <laughs> where like everything we see is staged. Yeah. But he goes into, uh, yeah, the Hillary headquarters. And of course, it too has a secret racism room in the basement. Mm-hmm. There's just an empty room in the basement where there are screens on that are just broadcasting like permanent round the clock footage of the Clintons. And then there's like a wall that says like, Whitewater, like it's just got all the scandals, yeah, like, yeah. listed. <laughs> and the TV monitors are only showing like the bad stuff. <laughs> It's only showing Hillary Clinton talking about the vast right-wing conspiracy. It's like, it's like the end of Psycho where they go down to the basement and they see the, you know, the corpse of the mother. And this section of the film is, I guess, a two-pronged attack. First of all, he goes after 
Bill Clinton for being a sexual predator and Hillary Clinton for... For, for being a follower of Saul Alinsky and a secret radical. Yeah, well, he, he, he goes after Hillary Clinton for smearing and discrediting Bill's victims. And then, yeah, Saul Alinsky, who is depicted as being the godfather of modern progressive fascism. Uh-huh. Uh, he uncovers an interview with Saul Alinsky where... Uh, Alinsky revealed this nefarious plot that he had back in the 1930s. Something, to... something where he was able to kind of get a free meal from like a cafe by by getting a, a food ticket at one cafe and then using it as another or something. And D'Souza kind of extrapolates from that and it's like, and that's what like progressive taxation is. You know? Well, he also got a bunch of other people to do it too. He was uh-huh. like a, you know, a self-styled Robin Hood figure. Right. So it's like he got gangs uh-huh. and, you know, by, by waving this free stuff at the gangs, he was able to, you know, buy their loyalty. Now, do you remember and this? And these are tactics that the mob used and the unions use. <laughs> and now, now Hillary Clinton is using them. Well, and do you remember the scene where there's the fellow who I'm not sure if we're really introduced him or if he has a name, but he's just kind of walking down the street and he looks in a restaurant and there's all these, you know, fat cats and they're eating and, and, uh, and he's jealous of them. And then a shadowy figure with, you know, long blonde hair appears behind him. And it's Hillary Clinton. Oh, so good. And she and she says to him, you know, ah, they have more than you, but it's okay because we can take it all away from them. And then the next thing you see is he's in the restaurant and he's eating with Hillary Clinton and all the other people are on the outside. And that's what socialism is, folks. D'Souza actually makes a similar argument for Hillary Clinton that Michael Moore made in his classic film, Michael Moore in Trumpland, <laughs> which is that, okay, she may seem like a moderate, but actually she's a secret well, radical. As you said, like D'Souza's making the left-wing case for Hillary Clinton as kind of some people rather absurdly made in 2016. And which, you know, in fact, they also made during her Senate run, I guess, you know, it was kind of this idea that, you know, once she's got the keys, that's when the real Hillary Clinton comes out. Mm-hmm. And um, I gotta say, it's 2018. And we're still waiting for the real Hillary Clinton. Right. To come now, out. now she's endorsing Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, coming at some point, <laughs> we see flashback footage of uh, Hillary Clinton as a student. I have to say the impersonator they got looked quite a bit like her. Mm-hmm. You know? Although then when she spoke, it was like, Mm, and then we're going to take all the stuff. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she's saying like, we're going to take over government from the inside. <laughs> oh, the historical reenactments in this movie. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit. The slavery section. Uh, there's a credited co-director on this named Bruce Shuley, who I'm just going to assume is responsible for most of the aesthetic dimensions of the film. But, you know, I ha- I do have my doubts a little bit on that maybe because D'Souza loves the slavery stuff so much. Yeah, like, he's a little too into it, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like the whipping scenes mm-hmm. and yeah, ju- just all of it. This movie was made, you know, not that long after 12 Years a Slave and Lincoln, which I think are the movie's two main aesthetic touchstones. Yeah, he's sort of responding to them in a way. Yeah, and uh, I would say the movie does not, you know, does not benefit from comparison. No. So the movie eventually comes to the conclusion that, you know, if Hillary Clinton takes office the democrats are gonna 
completely consolidate their power over all of America, not just the executive branch, mm-hmm. but also... Uh, he the, lists them off and it's like the insurance companies. Yeah. That's, first they came for the insurance companies. The media. We uh-huh. see, of course, the outside of the NBC building. <laughs> uh, the You know, this, that education. You know, he, again, he's saying this at a time when the Democrats were, of course, just like bleeding. Losing everywhere. Yeah. State, state legislatures, <laughs> the judiciary, you know, both houses of Congress, everything. But no, the Democrats are going to consolidate their power over everything. It's kind of hard for me to tell based on this movie, what exactly does Dinesh hate about the Democrats? Because, you know, I guess he... You, you asked the question during the movie and, and there was kind of a great philosophical weight to it. I, I didn't, I don't think I initially quite understood what you were asking. His problem with them is that they were, uh, they were racist 150 years ago and now they're pretending not to be racist but and you think that's rather thin yeah Mm. um he doesn't quite i mean i guess he's against abortion i I guess his main his main beef with the democratic party is that according to him they're keeping marginalized people more marginalized through their uh their social engineering programs that are actually social manipulation i think essentially it's that a large part of the right just you know it doesn't really understand you know has a very confused i've said this you know on the pod many times before i feel like a large section of the right really does not have any interest in or understanding of the left. I mean, you know, especially they think that the Democratic Party is the left. But so as kind of a stand in for that, what they have is this just extremely generalized idea that politics is just this kind of binary spectrum that has like freedom on the one side and then control on the other side. And, you know, conservatives are for freedom and, you know, liberals and the left are for, you know, ever deepening control of you know, social and political and cultural life. You know, I, I knew somebody uh, back in university, kind of, I guess one of my few conservative acquaintances that I, I made in university, who I don't speak to anymore because they became a Trump supporter. But, you know, they were raised on, you know, Sun News here in Canada, Fox News. They were a conservative party activist. I mean, that was just their understanding of politics. I remember one once having like the classic argument with them where they were just saying, you know, Hitler was a huge lefty. And it's right. like, you know, just trying to get across in as kind of not pedantic a way as I could that that just that wasn't accurate, but that just was how they understood um, politics. And that is, I think, how, you know, a lot of the kind of, you know, turning point USA, like dumb as dog shit campus conservatism today, like that is kind of the whole narrative it thrives upon. And that's presumably the audience for a movie like this, this Mm. movie where it gives you this grand narrative that covers not just you know, the current political moment, but the history of modern America, basically. And it gives you this extremely crude, you know, aggressively unnuanced portrait where, you know, there are these people called Republicans and they fight for freedom. And there's these people called the Democrats and they're responsible for everything that's bad. You know, Mm -hmm. not unlike that stupid tweet, uh, that stupid lib tweet I was complaining about a couple episodes ago, where it's like, was just listing off like, oh, you hate liberals so much? Liberals gave you the vote. Liberal, you know, this is the flip side. This movie is the flip side of like the Matt Santos liberal isn't a dirty word yeah. speech, you know? By the way, how did you like the Russia stuff in this movie? This is what really dates it as a 2016 artifact, isn't it? Yeah, so this movie, it, it's a little behind on the script, you know, <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, this is still... Uh, this is still very much, um, you know, enmeshed in that kind of 
you know, GOP rhetoric circa 2012. Obama's where, week you know, on the world stage. Yeah, the Democrats are doing a detente with Russia or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, now there's this very confused rhetoric around Russia where people on the right can't figure out what the what the correct uh, take is to have. <laughs> you know, they can't figure out if the take is that uh, actually, you know, Trump is really hard on Russia or if the take is like, you know, well, Russia's actually good. Because, I mean, on the really far right, like the alt-right, there's this weird fascination with Russia. Like, I think it was Lauren southern and a, and a couple other you know sort of pepe brandishing dignitaries recent, <laughs> recently visited russia and met alexander dugan who's one of the kind of intellectual architects of putinism and so there's kind of this weird like admiration as well but this film is just hopelessly dated it's literally like the democrats are caving to putin mm-hmm. which is makes it so funny to watch in 2018 by the way uh this week uh, Steven Seagal was appointed the special, like, uh, was a Russian ambassador or envoy to America. I saw that, and, and I gotta say, my reaction was, I thought that happened already? Late in Obama's term, it was reported that Putin actually suggested Seagal for this role, and Obama just, like, laughed it off or <laughs> pretended not to hear him or something. And now it's happened. So I'm, I'm in favor of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the party of Lincoln and Reagan must come to America's rescue. Not with bullets this time, but with ballots. They can't take America from us without our consent. Because of my conviction, I can't vote. But you can. So I think at the end of the day, even though tonight was a real slog uh, with the two movies we watched, the experience, as arduous as it was, captured kind of, I don't know, for me, really, the whole project of Michael and us. You know, we got we got a document from liberal America and we got a document from conservative America. And it's convinced me once again, like how kind of necessary and symbiotic these two kind of visions are. Here you have Dinesh D'Souza, you know, doing what Republicans have done so well for three to four decades, which is, you know, completely wet their pants over like the most milk toast, technocratic, <laughs> managerial, like the very idea that Hillary Clinton is this secret radical. The idea that Bill Clinton is a radical, someone whose entire agenda and political strategy was premised on trying to outflank the Republicans on, on the right, on like law and order, picking fights with unions. People like D'Souza they can't even recognize Republican political victories (laughs) when they're staring them in the face. Like D'Souza doesn't understand that basically since the Reagan era, the Democratic Party has operated within a framework, terms of debate, you know, on many, certainly on many issues, particularly economic ones, that is entirely set by the Republican Party. Well, it's a cliche to say, but this Obamacare that he hates so much was the Heritage Foundation plan. Absolutely. And even even the Democrats' kind of cultural and social politics, which D'Souza also hates, even those are, I think, very much, you know, constrained by the sort of you know, neoliberal consensus the Democratic Party's leadership embraces. So, yeah, I mean, this movie is really, really dumb. (laughs) But you have to admit that, like, as a filmmaker, his craft has improved. You know, he's more ambitious, I think, as a leading man. Uh, he, He commands the camera so much more comfortably. And I think this next one, Death of a Nation, just might turn things around. (laughs) Now watch this drive. Is America still the land of the free and the home of the brave? Our future 
depends on how we and you answer that question. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last Cause it is just 